Blockchain is payment processing and, and inventory and you know all these other things. Traceability is not a small problem. It is a huge problem. And frankly, it's less of a tech problem. It's more of a human problem. Because if it's not inputted correctly, then it doesn't matter. That's where we're spending our time is trying to make that process as easy as possible, as flexible as possible. So if there might be a mistake, they can catch it. You know, and then because from there, once it starts flowing, if it's a mistake, it's going to end up a mistake on the other end too. Hi, Future Foodcast food enthusiasts. We're so glad that you've joined us today for this episode of the Future Foodcast podcast. We have a really interesting guest who's going to give us so much information about food safety. His name is Sean Pinder, and he is with Food Bite Incorporated. Welcome, Sean. Hi, Pam. Great to be here. Yeah, we're so glad to have you. And I just want to start out asking you a little bit about you know who you are and how you got to, to where you are right now and, and a little bit about what you're doing. Could you give us a baseline? Yeah, for sure. Um, so at one point in time, I was a chef by trade. I dropped out of university to pursue that passion. Um, 20 years later, after a lot of business development uh, jobs, positions, um, I ended up with... Uh, uh, two co-founders uh, at Foodbite, and frankly, I actually didn't start the company, but I was brought in to help the the two founders with some strategy. And uh, those founders have actually left, and um, you know, various reasons, all amicably, of course. Um, but um, my passion for food, I was looking for something to dive into, and 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 food safety was definitely high on my radar when I left my last uh, uh, last position. And 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 uh, yeah, so here we are. It's been a few years, and um, lots of lots of uh, uh, unearthing discovery and um, many things I didn't know about food, frankly, um, but um, all great and happy to be here to discuss well, it all. Well, good. I hope you can share some of that interest in food safety with our audience. Was there something in particular that first got you interested in the food safety portion of the food industry? Yeah, absolutely. So my large part of my network is in food. And, and when I was, you know, just yeah, social settings, listening to uh, them all talk, you know, at the end of the day, a chef and, and those that have food products just want to focus on the quality of their brand and of their product. Um, you know, when you go into a store shelf today, you probably see a lot of, you know, any retail setting usually has a local component to it. And you look at what's available to you now versus, you know, 15 years ago, it's just extraordinary, the explosion, um, whether people start out with, uh, you know, some sort of adverse you know, effect from a particular food or an ingredient, or they have some sensitivity. So they, they get really passionate uh, about it. And so they, they build this wonderful product. And then to go to market, you have this funny thing called food safety that you have to absolutely conquer or figure out a way that it doesn't become an obstacle. And um, when, I, when I began understanding what that pain point looked like, we began our discovery. Um, so slightly pivoting food bite. And, and um, yeah, so that the pain point is in how do you remove food safety um, as an obstacle, particularly in those early days or months or years as a, as a food entrepreneur? Yeah, and you're you're talking really a lot to those food entrepreneurs, those people, and there are a lot of them out there who have an idea or because of their food sensitivity, they've thought, here's a, a niche for me with a, a certain product for people like me that have that issue. And then they launch into it and this huge roadblock is there, which is the food safety regulations that exist. And what does that look like? What are those, what kind of regulations? Are they 
are they worldwide or is it specific to what country you're in or what province or state or how does that work? Yeah, those are great questions. They sort of they all apply. So um, what what you first need to determine is is you know how much you're making, you know, and sort of gross revenue, and then where you want what geographic distribution are you going to distribute to? So most people start out with maybe one retailer locally and maybe some farmer market, and then they realize, hey, we actually have something here. Let's actually how are we going to grow this? So when you are going to grow and scale, you need to consider. Are we going to produce within the state or province? Are we going to ship outside the state or province? Are we going to ship inside the United States? Are we going to go outside the United States, in and out of Canada or around the world? And depending on what that goal is, you then need to align the food safety framework that will allow you to do that. Okay. So, how, how do you even get started figuring out what the food safety framework is? Well, and, and that's a great question because a lot of it is government-led, and there's um, and and then the other is is when you look at GFSI, and I'll get that's Global Food Safety Initiative. Um, there's a number of like ISO um, has has FSSC twenty two thousand, DRC and SQF. Those are all acronyms we don't need to get bothered with for today's purpose. But okay. if you're going to go there, those are privately owned functions, privately owned enterprises. So they're they're a little easier to access and, and understand. But by and large, it's sort of this new foreign language that you have to figure out. And so your options are fairly limited until recently. Um, and your options would be something like educate yourself. That's incredibly time consuming and costly. You're probably apt to make mistakes. You hire a food consultant um, who could come in and help uh, sort of strategize and plan and build a, a plan accordingly. Um, and what's starting to emerge are sort of food tech companies. Mine's one of them that can help with that whole process, providing those frameworks in a digital setting, um, building out the plan development as necessary. So um, the, the, the first two options I presented are really expensive. Um, and, and to be honest, I think even some of the software is an ERP options that are in front of a food entrepreneur as far as potential decision, They're, they can be quite expensive too. So it's, it's daunting. And, and most people, when you're, when you're, you have no revenue or limited revenue, you're looking at things like, hey, so if I got, you know, $100,000 in revenue, do I really want to go spend 20 or $30,000 on this whole project? Um, and, and, and if I'm not going to do that, am I going to do it on my own? Um, so that's where Food Bite tries to fill a gap to um, allow people to, to build things at a much more, in a cost-effective manner, but a much more dynamic uh, result in that they have a complete digital program and framework so that they, they, um, you know, they, they can uh, produce food safely. And again, trying to, the whole kind of goal is removing food safety and obstacle. That's us, but those are your options. And there's lots of other, you know, software uh, applications that are, that are in the market. Yeah. And what I'm hearing you say is that that entrepreneur or that startup or that smaller manufacturer their, their choices are pulling on the things that they have the most limited resources in, which is time, because right. usually there's, they're wearing a lot of hats. Even if there's a handful of people, everybody's wearing all the hats that need to be worn to, to get scaling, you know, when you start out smaller. And, and so the time is really critical. Uh, plus, they might not have an expertise to be even able to investigate the whole food safety landscape on their own. The second is um, money. If they're going to hire a consultant to do this, they are usually, that's another finite resource. And you really have to decide where you're going to spend your money. So that's another really important 
piece of it. And food bite comes in and you've done that work on the front end to try to pull some things together. You've done the research to figure out what's required in the food safety landscape. And you also have the platform so that they can just simply key into that, what their particular, can, can you tell us then how that might work? Like what's the benefit once they get in there? What do you, what do, you do at Food Bite? Yeah, so I mean, first of all, the first consideration is plan development. So, you know, whether if you're in the United States, you would be probably concerned about some sort of FISMAR or FDA regulation. Um, and that's Food Safety Modernization Act. Uh, everyone's familiar with FDA. I'm sure I don't have to describe that acronym. Or you might yeah, just uh, yeah. <laughs> you might just be focused on on um, on HASA perhaps, right? And, and but and that, that what is that? What's the ha the other one? The yeah, so that's hazard has analysis critical control points. So essentially, what are the hazards that could cause problems, and what are the critical control points control points that will help you mitigate those hazards or actually eliminate them, right? And there's another, there's a whole bunch of acronyms and other industry terms that will probably confuse a lot of the listeners. So if we just leave it there, but HACCP is a component of a, you know, a, a FISMA certified program. So you have, you, you can either go for the whole enchilada, so to speak, or just do HACCP. It kind of depends on your growth pattern. And frankly, it's also going to depend on the risk model of your product. So are you low, medium, or high risk? So, I mean, you raw meat and raw fish, or are you producing like a, you know, a strawberry jam? So considerations there for sure. Um, once you've made that consideration, or if Food Bite has built out your, your plan on the platform, you then, the reason you would want to stick and continue to use Food Bite is, uh, for instance, on the monitoring, um, which is all the things that you have to record every single day so that in the case of an audit or a recall, you have all the necessary information and data uh, to support uh, what took place and why. So we send out daily notifications to all the team members of what they need to do, right? We distribute all of the necessary paperwork in a digital format, right? It, you know, e-signatures so everyone can see who did it, it's time-stamped, and then organizes and files everything according um, to a number, in a number of ways. So you can, you can always go look at the employee in terms of all the forms that they might have completed that day. You can look at all the forms in a particular day, really giving that visibility for the QA owner operator to go and have a look at, you know, what might be a problem, how many deviations do they have this week versus last week. Um, so that's one component of the software and that's a, that's a necessary evil to remain compliant. Um, you know, FISMA and the Canadian standard uh, CFSFCR, they have about 168 checks that need to be done um, and that can happen in the course of a year. Many of those, over 100 of those, are reoccurring on a daily or weekly basis, right? So that gives you some idea of how inundated people get with paper. You can imagine, I mean, it's, it's no wonder when you talk to somebody, show me your food safety plan or tell me about it. And they're like, oh my goodness, the paper. So that's what Food Bike prevents um, and, 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 and sort of provides that, you know, you're now saving an hour and a half or two hours a day in paperwork, plus everything is digitally and neatly organized. Um, then on the other side of things uh, is the trace, traceability. So you need to be able to show uh, one step forward and one step back. So when you're, where did your product go? How is it made and where to come from? Okay. And, you know, that's that one key um, for those listeners that are sort of early days. You really want to get in the habit right away of, of having internal lock codes. So you're going to have, you know, a box that comes in, Right. And you have to have an internal lock code because if you don't, then when you show the auditor on a recall what the 
you know, where the bad product is, if you can't get it down to the box, you could be subject to having to kill the skid or, or, or destroy the skid or destroy the entire delivery or anything that might come from that company, um, which could be incredibly costly, not to mention the brand damage. So, you know, the internal lock codes uh, are really, really key. Uh, I, I'm just, I won't go any further than that, but it, you need, when you're incorporating a traceability program, it's really key that you consider how you're going to manage that. A lot of people, you know, early days are using Google Docs, sorry, Google Sheets, or maybe some sort of uh, spreadsheet format. But, and, and frankly, those are very cost effective until you get to a, you know, a certain point in, in, um, in revenue or scale that uh, you, you should look for some other options. But yeah, that's how Foodbyte really, so we do help uh, on a customized, on the traceability side, we really customize that that experience and, and provide the owner operators with that visibility into, into um, their, their traceability of, you know, raw ingredients, the process, and then where they, where they ship it to. And that whole transparency and traceability is really important to our audience. I know uh, just knowing you were talking about where your food has been and, mm -hmm. and, and how you made it and then where it ended up. And if there was an issue at the last spot to be able to backtrack in that are you familiar with or or are you using any kind of blockchain technology to do that traceability piece or have you read about that in the food space yeah so that that's something i mean anytime you have um if you have two users so you and i were communicating blockchain is really not you know important um or necessary when you get into multiple characters or multiple um, entities involved blockchain is definitely something you want to consider so that we are building out a data set now so that we can understand not only make sure our product is doing what it ought to do and providing the best value. Um, blockchain won't be cheap to build. And so that's something that we are very aware of and planning for, um, but it, 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 it should be incorporated, particularly um, when you kind of get to that mid-market level where you really have the, the risks of starting to increase, even, even if you have a lowest product just from the amount of volume that you do um, and therefore the amount of suppliers you might have and the number of retailers, you know. So again, really bringing all of that together. The other thing to consider though, you know, blockchain is, you know, payment processing and, and inventory and, you know, all these other things. That is not, traceability is not a small problem. It is a huge problem. And frankly, it's less of a tech problem. It's more of a human problem because if it's not inputted correctly, right. then it doesn't matter because it's going to flow through the system. It's going to be incorrect from the first, first, first the first point of entry into the system. So that's where we're spending our time is trying to make that process as easy as possible, as flexible as possible. So if there might be a mistake, they can catch it, you know, and then because from there, once it starts flowing, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, if it's a mistake, it's going to end up a mistake on the, on the other end too. So. Yeah. All good points, Sean, because that is really important about the human part of it. You know, if, if, um, if you can automate as much as possible, have it scan points and different things or have the temperature that the meat is at automatically mm -hmm. fed into the system where human does not have to go and look at the thermometer and key the number in, the more you can automate, the less human error is going to be in that whole system. I'm sure you're looking at all of those touch points, um, you know, with the internet of things and we're, we're monitoring everything and we're able to scan and survey and, and have all those inputs come in. But again, like you said, there's a trade-off, right? You've got to invest on the front end to have all of that you, available. You do. 
and, and there's, there's a shortage uh, of, of qualified labor um, as well, right? I mean, that's, and that's part that adds to, it's something like 30, 35% in North America. So it, it's significant in that you can't always just go to market when you think it, you're gonna cure your human problem with a better hire, that better hire may not exist. Um, so it, it's, uh, it's, it's a conundrum for sure and, and something that technology can help with. Yeah. Now, the automation piece of it, uh, as far as, you know, because you have food that needs to, I know a lot of the regulation is surrounding temperatures that certain kinds of food needs mm -hmm. to be kept at and how long you can keep it and all those kinds of things. Does Food Bite help with that? Like the analytics that the, the food business owner can access, that's going to help them see what's happening out there in that area, right? And make changes. Yeah, so, um, the, and you do a lot of that with RFID um, scanners and so on. And, and so we plan on having, right now we customize a dashboard. Um, so every, you know, everyone's demands, everyone's interests are all a little bit different. So on the back end, when we're installing a traceability system, um, we'll often have a customized dashboard for those for those users. Um, the That type of data is absolutely important. Um, and we are early days with the higher risk where you, what you're talking about is really related to higher risk products, meat, sausage, et cetera, fish. Mm -hmm. So we're, we are, we've penetrated that market, but it's still early days to really comment on what finished product will look like, but absolutely. I mean, those, those people need data. They need, they need feedback. They need, they need, um, that dashboard that gives them that immediate response to, Oh, we got a problem because it's high risk. Yeah. Right. And they they probably need to shut the belt or shut production to augment whatever's going on. So um, you, again, you want to be careful because it's not really a tech problem. Um, it's it's mm -hmm. it's the human problem within the facility, and then how that relates to the, the the tech. And and that's what one of the challenges we face as a as a provider to the industry is trying to have a framework flexible enough so that you can you can do the you can build the customizations right because you know. Um, sanitization they want two corrective actions so two different people on it when it, so all these all, you know most processors just need one and some companies want three and so all these requests have to be taken into consideration over time it's going to take some time for this for a true solution end-to-end -end solution to exist and to be yeah. built out. but exciting that you're out there with the manufacturers and the food producers the people that are making the product to ask the questions, to know then what do we need to build into the system? What variables do we need to look for and be able to respond to? And it might be one check, two people involved, sanitation's different for this company and that company. And but but that's the exciting part. And that's the service you're providing, right? Is you're taking that back end out of the, you know, the the pressure of getting that right out of the hands of the person that's passionate about the food that they're producing and all the back-end regulation piece, uh, if it were me, I'd be happy to have you handle that. I have a funny story about high risk. I have a friend who uh, lives here in the States, but she's been involved in training for food safety, like with employees, how to yeah. handle things and all that. So that's her history. As a result, with all of her friends, she's always, well, don't keep this meat beyond a certain number of days in the refrigerator and all that. She's all always real particular. Her husband is a big practical joker. And so for her birthday, they had this big cookout in the backyard. Well, of course, she's monitoring the temperature of the hamburger and making sure that it's not sitting out too long before they grilled the burgers and all of that. 
the husband got all of the friends that were involved in the cookout on a Saturday, Sunday afternoon to start calling her and saying, I am just really not feeling well. I have got all this trouble, you know, and she, you know, is checking, starting to, and, and by the time the second or third person called, she was in a mild panic. And it was just this huge practical joke that her husband was playing on her. And I thought you'd enjoy it. Feel free to tell it forward as like a food safety joke. I don't know if there are food safety jokes, but that was a great practical joke for someone who's really, really focused on food safety. And, and they got her. She was in a panic. She was thinking she'd caused all these people to get sick. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I will pass it forward for sure. There's there's a few there's a few jokes that I am aware of and, and, and comical stories, but there's not not many because it, it especially for the people that, you know, the listeners that are, you know, in that early stage is so important because, you know, you're trying to prove to retailers that your product is safe and it's scalable and you can meet all your orders and, you know, that's a lot of pressure on a small team, right? And 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 it's so there's often uh, not a lot of not a lot of time for for comic relief. But um, yeah, there are definitely or ornery might be the best <laughs> way to that's that if you're to sort of you know envelope most of most of the descriptors of the people that the you know the joke is is bestowed upon. It's usually you know you would describe them as maybe a, a little on the ornery side, but uh, yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. Well, now does food bite do anything on the front end where where the food is being supplied and brought to the manufacturer? Are you involved in that piece of the food safety at all? Maybe from source to manufacturing? Yes, a great question. So one of the things that the we're actually this 2022 is going to build out is is, you know, so you, you get certificates of analysis, right? And you get other um, supply chain related uh, certificates. So you want to capture those and in, 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 um, on a, it could be on a monthly basis. It all depends on the risk of the product. But you know, notifications, reminders like, hey, I need to reach out to my five suppliers because I need them. Let's say you're producing an organic product. Well, all five suppliers have to be making providing raw, you know, organic product or um, uh, uh, products. So, you know, yes, we do, and we're looking at understanding what. Um, how to silo those to, you know, are you a jelly and jam maker? Are you bread? Are you, you know, whatever the case may be, because they all have slightly different requests that they're looking for. Um, and then there's, of course, the lab, the lab uh, testing that is often needed. Uh, so depending on what you do, lab testing is another component that's also needed. So yeah, we're, we're looking at it all. Um, and we, you know, we sort of go into, um, you know, we're in those, all these facilities with our manufacturers getting beat up just like them, you know, um, but we're, we're, very eager to listen sort of two ears, one mouth approach to all of our problems and, and uh, that we hear about. Um, but it's important that we keep that the greater good in mind and how we can help that, that small, we really focus on SMEs, right? Small, medium-sized enterprises, because frankly, the, the large, you know, the crafts and the Nestle's, you know, they have, they have the, the resources, right? They just write a check to solve a problem. Um, most of our listeners probably don't have that ability. Some might, but so we, you know, it's about being clever and, and, and pragmatic with your, your, your tech solutions. Um, yeah. I would agree with you, Sean. And uh, honestly, with what's happened in the pan worldwide with the pandemic over the last couple of years, I think a lot of people have reevaluated their lives. And I want to say the result of that, what I've seen has been like a surge of 
people who are following more of their passion and the things they really are interested in and care about. And a lot of the people that I've spoken with and even uh, as a result of this podcast and friends and family are, are people that are pursuing something in the food area or, you know, they're, they're meeting a need out there and, and it's passionate for them and it's something they're interested in. And a lot of it is going to fall in the line of, you know, small to medium enterprise, like you're talking about, they're starting out small and then they're trying to figure out how to scale. And, and you realize, oh my goodness, there's an ocean full of regulation out there that I have no idea how to navigate. My boat is filling with water quickly and I need help. So it seems to me, that's where Food Bite would come in to help with all of that. Uh, what else do you think our listeners might be interested in that you you seem like you're, you have your fingers in a lot of different things, Sean, so I don't know what I might not be asking. Yeah, what no, else is going on in your world? I think, you know, I, I think just from a, a general, you know, observation of the industry, I think it's, it's, um, one area that we're really focused on, you talk about supply chain and, and people are, you know, they're interested to know again, like, so where do the carrots come from? Right. And, and then, oh, they went to ABC foods and then they, they end up on the retail shelf. And when you buy it, it says, Hey, look, here's the farm it was made at, you know, but what's the credit score of the processors? Like these people are super passionate and would they ever love to show you, you know, that they actually produce you know, they actually meet a standard, call it a food bite standard, if you will, just for lack of a better term. But, you know, what's that, that's sort of, you know, like almost like an organic certificate, right? Right. So when you're organically certified, that means something to people. Well, if you're food bite certified, just as an example, it could be something else, but how well do you process food? How many deviations do you have? How many, you know, and proportionate to risk level. And I, I think a credit score would really go a long way. And I, I don't, it doesn't have to even, or some certification process, right? That you are constantly compliant and you produce, you know, you're always, you know, within 80 to 95% of, of, of forms completed with little to no, you know, little to no deviations. No one's perfect. No one. And that's the one thing that people need to understand. I mean, making food is super hard and the big fellas, right? I mean, there, there's been, very, you know, some very unfortunate, very sick people to the point where they even, even um, uh, succumb to the, to the food illness. Mm -hmm. So that certificate process is really, you know, there's a bit of a black box there right now. And I think Food Bite could help the industry uh, with its visibility into that. And, you know, the other thing that's really interesting that uh, we came across a few years ago, and we actually have a number of pet food companies that we work with, because when you actually look at FDA and you talk about people that are being passionate, you see this explosion in pet food, natural health, right? Cannabis, even the edibles, not, not smoke, but edibles, all those require food safety plans, Canadian or us. So it doesn't matter what side of the border you're on. So it's, and it's the same thing. If you think about raw ingredient, your unique process that you have, and, and then your, your consumer package good on the end, all four industries apply to that. And food bites really looking forward to uh, helping and enabling those processors because they're actually no different than the human food processors. They have the same concerns. They want to produce high quality product, right? In a safe environment, um, and of course, grow their brand recognition um, and, and eventually scale to whatever their whatever their desires are, um, you know, or, or personal objectives for their company are. But yeah, those are two really interesting things that we seem to talk a lot about um, with industry partners and colleagues and amongst our team too. Yeah, I, those are great points, Sean. Just where where else is this technology needed? And those are other industries that you're right. I mean, the same regulatory situation exists. And I really like your idea of some kind of, uh, you've, you're gathering the analytics 
of mm. these manufacturers. So why not be able to share those with the people that are buying their product to say, here's how compliant they are. And no one is perfect. You're right. But being able to share some of the analytics in a way that the person who's who's buying those source material can make a good decision for them and and what they're willing to purchase. The other thing is that whole pet food industry, I think there's some humans that are more concerned about the food safety for their pets food than they are for what they put in their own bodies. Would you agree? Oh, there's some, there are some, I could tell there's some really long tales that probably not appropriate for the podcast that I've heard, but they are very passionate bunch. And uh, it's, it's quite interesting. You sort of have to wonder, don't you, if they're uh, did you consider making your your food to that level of quality because it's you know that you're going to consume with you know you and your spouse or your friends and uh, because it, the yeah it's it's interesting they are they are a passionate bunch to say the least yeah that I think that would be a huge that would be the next place I would go if I were food bite because the the industry and again with the pandemic people who live alone there's been a lot of pets <laughs> that have been brought in and just companionship and people are are valuing that and i know the people that i know that that industry it's crazy what people spend on their pets and for the food and even for my mother i was just visiting her and she couldn't find the particular cat food that i'm sure is the only cat food that her cat will eat and there's an issue with the supply chain the manufacturer can't get it so of course there's no store that will have it on the shelf. However, we had to check every store because <laughs> that was the cat food. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, the cat, when the cat gets hungry enough, the cat will eat whatever food you're going to put out there for her. But to your point, I mean, they're just, they're just passionate about all of that. That's, that sounds like a great growth area to me. Yeah, but and it's, you know, they have the same, it is for sure. Um, but it's the same problem, right? I mean, they're passionate entrepreneurs that have they want to provide something that is probably more wholesome for pets. Um, it challenges the status quo from, you know, our, our large, large manufacturers of, of human or pet food or natural health. And the same, the same problems exist for those folks. And, and um, you know, I, I, that's one thing, destigmatizing the, you know, um, taking, taking really simplifying, you know, that whole experience and process of actually getting your product to market safely with the proof that you did it. You know, and, and um, I, I'm, I can't wait for a processor to tell me that they want to show uh, a retailer how great their track record is. Because once we do that once, I guarantee I can go, we can go to others and say, see, look what this person's doing, right? And, and force the hand of, of others. Be the leader, be the, you know, the, 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 you know with forethought of, of what's better for the environment, not um, the environment of food, whether it's pet or human or natural health, like, I think there's I think there's a lot we could do to help ourselves, help our industry, and really showcase the the I think those certifications speak to again the passion that people bring um, to their job every day about what they make because they probably guaranteed they had some sort of health scare or or somebody very close to them did um, or it's a very strong preference. All of that is you know so welcomed. I mean, just I mean it's just so great to see so many independents on our store shelves, so many more options than you know. The large, large, large brands, um, and fairly cost-effective too. Not, 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 um, you know, not breaking the bank. Expensive. 
Right. Well, Sean, uh, you have given our audience a lot to think about today and informed them uh, about different areas, especially food safety related and some of the regulations and, and what food bite is providing. I just love the insight that you help to give everyone and appreciate your passion. You were talking about other people's passion, your passion for up-leveling essentially, you know, the ability for a manufacturer or a food supplier to be able to show the, what, what they're actually doing and the analytics of that and, and taking that out of the, the human error range, you know, and just a manual paper process and, and actually being able to produce that and, and automate that a bit. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today. I've really enjoyed having you as a guest. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Anytime. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcasts. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 